All right, welcome to the Raleigh Bitcoin Podcast. Uh, if you live in Raleigh, come out to our meetup Tuesday night, 6.30 at Raleigh Point. Uh, if you don't live in Raleigh, then move to Raleigh. But why should they move to Raleigh? Raleigh is the best kept secret in Bitcoin. Our meetup is fire. You are going to meet a lot of movers and shakers that fly beneath the radar um, I remember when way, I was just, way beneath the radar. Way beneath the is, radar. Is Steve a mover like, or a shaker? In the sewers, Steve's a mover. Dog. He's a mover. Yeah. Uh, sewers underneath the city radar, yeah. where there are spray painted Bitcoin signs in Raleigh. Right. Like this is where the actual signal is. I mean, Nashville and Austin or whatever. Like, if you want to get lost <laughs> in the crowd, feel free to move there. If you wanna, <laughs> you wanna make moves, come to Raleigh. Um, but I mean, I remember when I was getting into Bitcoin. Uh, it, it's very difficult to find signal on Twitter. The resources there are, even though they're plentiful, they're kind of hard to find on your own if you're not pointed toward it by somebody who's been there before. I was very anxious about going to a Bitcoin meetup without having you know, a certain threshold of Bitcoin knowledge that I felt like I had to entertain in, in order to even go. Uh, don't feel that way. You can. You don't have to know anything. There's no barrier to entry in order to come and just chat. If you're even Bitcoin curious, come and check this plant thing out. Um, we've got people who are experienced in all different facets of Bitcoin. We've got a Lightning guy. We've got a tech people. We've got econ guys. There's going to be somebody there that can answer your questions so i don't want we got lawyers we got drug dealers you know whatever you need we got we got all the black market stuff as well so we got we got russian hackers we got russian do we we my my advice would just don't lie just kind of go with it nothing's more annoying nothing's more annoying when you're talking to someone (laughs) about bitcoin that isn't really into it and it's like yeah i've been into it since 2016 i've been into bitcoin into blockchain it's like dude just fucking be yourself no one's going to judge you, so just chill out. Yeah, and That's don't worry. I'll, I'll pretend like I care about your getting into Bitcoin story if you come <laughs> to the meetup. Steve know. loves uh, a coin story, and he wants to hear about your home value. <laughs> so if you come, be sure to hit Steve with those two talking points, and you're guaranteed to have a great time. Yeah. All right. Um, so today we've got some clips lined up. Uh, you've got one about uh, shit coins from um, Peter McCormick, and I've got a couple from um, a Preston Pish episode with John. I think his last name is Denny, um, and he's talking about Bitcoin education. He's Do- the me premier Bitcoin guy. No, I think there's a different guy. Uh, his educating the world on Bitcoin. So he's had two educators on. Um, recently, I think there's a different one. Yeah, you're thinking of Luna, the yeah. guy that we covered right. last week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't listen to this one, which is wild because I pretty much catch all of Preston's spots, okay. but I'm a little backed up, so this will be good. Sure, we can do this. I mean, it's not world change or anything, but I, um, I, so I've been in the space for a long time, and I've seen a lot of people start their Bitcoin education program. So I was kind of like, all right, here we go. Another one of these. Like, we had a guy in the chat just the other day, right? Like, hey, I'm going to start a Bitcoin education program. How should I do it? So, it's like, I have tempered expectations. But this guy's doing something bigger than I thought. So, I'll play, start this first clip here. So, with the intro classes, we've had much more students. We had 400. Yeah, let's start that one over. Sorry about that. Sorry, listeners, for blasting your ears. This should be we can edit it out in post. Yeah. So he's yeah right. So he's talking about uh, how. Listen to how many students this guy has in his class. In the intro classes, we've had much more students. We had four hundred in twenty twenty one. We had ten thousand in twenty twenty two, and this year we have as many as five thousand per month now. Per um, month, five thousand per month. So they're yeah. they're they're dialing in via video to go through the. No, this is all in person. No way. Yeah. Right. Okay, so I heard those figures and just assumed that it had to be yeah. online. I Where is this wh- in, in El Salvador? Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Right. That's uh, that's the kind of trend that we want to see. Yeah, particularly in El Salvador. Five thousand people in person. I mean, how big was your high school? A thousand people. I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> like, mine was really big. Right. Mine but, was really small. Yeah. 
So, but like an enormous not, not, high school is like 5,000 people. Totally, totally. Yeah. But imagine having that. A month. Your, all of your high school people per month, different people every month. Like, that is just. You know, you know what I was. Wow. Um, like education in El Salvador and like there's this program called Torgos Dev, but it's like kind of the idea that I, what I've been thinking about was more like uh, people in, in uh, like in El Salvador and stuff. Uh, how do they show proof of work trying to get into another like a uh, higher education system? Because like in America, it's kind of structured to where you go to these high schools, you score these tests and you get to go on. But I think a lot of the Bitcoin education programs like in El Salvador they're trying to get it to where their name is so credible to where if you participate in these programs and graduate, that's kind of like your sign of, of you know, like that's your diploma. And then you can go mm-hmm. on to these other education programs. So I think that's really cool that they're developing. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not as cool as the U.S. where, you know, it's all about how many disabilities you can get your doctor to say you have so that you can get, see how much more time you can get on the SAT and stuff. Like that's really the key here. So not that cool. Um, but yeah, that just blew me away. And I've got a couple more clips somewhere. But what are you going to say, Bo? No, just so that I'm still sitting here in disbelief at that, like that upward trajectory. Like, how yeah. can anybody hear those objective numbers and make the point that Bitcoin adoption in El Salvador is a failure? I don't understand that. Like, yeah. like how do you how, how do you ignore that evidence? But then again, I mean, that's their job is to ignore well, that, objective that's evidence just, about That's just coin. one part of it. I mean, like their their bonds are, I think we talked about this last time, but their bonds are like wrecking it, like up 80% or 60% on the year. So the El Salvador ones? Yeah. yeah. Huh. So they're doing good. And uh, the economist is coming after Bukele and the way that he's treating the criminals down there saying he's a threat to democracy. But yeah, so yeah. It's, he's it's taken a lot of flack for, for that. And there are some red flags with that. It did seem arbitrary. Like, I, like I, I understand the points that are being that. Like, okay, Gladstein, for example, is very Bukele uh, skeptical. Yeah, Even, I noticed that. Which is good. Finally, you know, we need somebody that's somebody's got to somebody's got to be Bukele skeptical. <laughs> yeah. um, it's because, not going to be like, Bukele. It's going to be Bukele's son. Well, there, that wrecks there, it. <laughs> there are things to be skeptical about it because I mean, what's what's the wallet name down there? Um, okay so chivo wallet is like state run it it was uh created by like bukele's brother so like there are a couple things down there that are absolutely sus but if you look at the trend line it is undeniably in the Mm -hmm. right direction more people are talking about el salvador in everyday conversation than ever before which is a point that he makes Mm -hmm. he's like why why on earth does somebody like the economist bat an eye at an El Salvador if we weren't trying to do something that is actually revolutionary. Um, they didn't give two single shits about El Salvador three years ago. Um, and all of a sudden now, because they're trying to do something outside of what they can control, they're getting a ton of heat for it. So big time rooting for El Salvador. I love hearing that. That's Yeah, this guy, I didn't clip it, but he mentioned that you know, most of the students, when they come in, all they know is Chivo. Uh, by the time they leave the class, like half of them ha- are using a different wallet. Money. So, yeah. I think can't it, ask for more than exactly. that. Exactly. That's great. Because Chivo, like my understanding is that Chivo was just something of the landing spot for their $30 worth of free Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they have to use Chivo. It's just if you wanted your on this date, you're going to get $30 worth of uh $30 worth of bitcoin in your chivo app. It's not like it has to stay there. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Um yeah, so I got a couple more clips and this guy I think so everyone, you know, even the guy in our chat was like what should be the focus of the thing and some people were like, "Oh, it's about sound money and all this and that." This guy's primary uh, primary focus is on getting the kids to understand that they're in control of the money, which sounds kind of like lame at first, but he really sort of convinced me that like, if I were going to teach a class to kids, I think I would probably download this guy's PDF because he really convinced me that he has put the most work into figuring out how to do this. Um, So let me just play these two clips about how the students are kind of before and then at the end. And what that means is the first page, that first blank page, why Bitcoin, 
is mostly left a blank page. They don't know. Like they, they sometimes literally leave it blank. And if they do write something, then it's like a sentence or two. It's, it's effectively, they just don't know how to answer that when they start the course. And then you compare that with, with what students write at the end. And this is, so the, the first page, the first blank page is just one page. So then we leave three pages for them. Sometimes students don't have enough room at the end. And they, they, there have been times where they actually staple pages onto that to, so they could keep writing. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty um, indicative of how much the students got into it to, you know, handwrite three pages. And then here's he's talking about, that's the last one, here's he, he's talking about the um, award ceremony or the diploma ceremony at the end. As part of the ceremony, we talk about that. We talk about, you know, how important what's happening here is, how important what's happening in El Salvador is. Like El Salvador is the tip of the spear. And then within that, you are. You are this first generation in the first nation to learn about this, to have this knowledge as part of a normal aspect of your life. And that will change everything. You will change everything. You are the precedent. You are the example. And they feel it. And they really feel it. Like, I think at most, if not all of the graduations that I've been to, at least some of the students have cried. I kind of, I mean, overlaying the weight of history on top of this is mm -hmm. really cool to me. Yeah. Like, I think about what people are going to read about this time in Bitcoin's development way down the road. Like, it will be in textbooks. Um, yeah. And he made those kids feel like they were kind of the chosen ones. part of to, something, man. And they're the first country to do it, so it gets them, like, Fired pride up. and stuff. Man, like, I mean, and th they should great. be. Yeah. They should. And, I mean, I, I, I think it's important. I mean, particularly for nations in Central, South America, Africa. These are nations that have been left behind by the current financial system. Mm -hmm. So to get them to feel like I don't have to just have ideals anymore about what my country can be. I have tools that exist now, currently, mm -hmm. that work now, currently, that can elevate my country, my family, uh, to a different phase of the world uh, economic system. I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's really great. Another thing I didn't clip, but in the beginning, he said one of the things he does, he doesn't talk about Bitcoin for a while. He just says, gives everyone a piece of candy, and then he offers them a U.S. dollar, like physical U.S. dollar bill for the piece of candy, and everyone takes it. And then he does the same thing, gives out a candy, and then he offers everybody a Monopoly money paper bill for it, and they don't take it. And they're just, and he's like, why? These are both two pieces of paper with ink on them what's the difference between these two forms right. of money. And um, that, I think that's a great way. I it's almost like, you know, just like the Bitcoin standard. It's like every really good Bitcoin education doesn't really bring up Bitcoin until halfway through. Uh, so I think that's definitely the right way to go. Most of the good economic Bitcoin books hold Bitcoin in the back pocket until the right. very end. Like yeah. they, they spend a lot of time um, to their credit, I think, explaining what is money mm -hmm. some sort of monetary history some sort of explaining of explanation rather of where we are now in the monetary order mm -hmm. and how it's not tied to anything and then they get into bitcoin all the pros and cons of it versus a lot of other things um pretty nice thing to have in your back pocket the bet it's, like, the it's like being belt to two aces and then be like hey you guys want to play poker yes it's that's exact <laughs> that's that's literally what it is yeah. Um, is having pocket rockets and <laughs> then being like, okay, play. I mean, you can absolutely still mess it up. You still yeah. do have to have the conviction behind those pocket aces to know I have the the best hand. Yeah. You still have to play it. Um, but yeah, no, that's... God, I'm going to have to listen to that on the way home here. That's a great one. Uh, it's not his most recent one, just so you don't yeah, I mean, the it, Yeah, he, he can, yeah those, those drop every Wednesday, so... Okay, so like if you're looking for a podcast to get into, um, Preston Pish's Bitcoin Fundamentals 
is incredible. Uh, you, you're talking about a different one than the We Study Billionaires? So it's the same one. So it's all uh, part of the um, the Investors Podcast Network. Those commercials are so annoying. They are. You can skip <laughs> through them. Um, yeah, you, you do have to get through a couple commercial breaks. Um, but other than that, man, that's a – God, I love that podcast. I love, I love that entire family of, of podcasts, honestly. <laughs> Should we take our first commercial break? Jacob, do you want to do a... Yeah, Jacob, an, what's an, our sponsor? An ad read? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, I put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, read your kombucha bottle like, there. What? what brought did, to you by... <laughs> why don't you tell me about this? We should be sponsored by, like, Safe Dean as much as we, like, pimp his stuff on here. No, that's probably my fault. Make the call, Steve. For what? <clears throat> to Safe. To Safe? Oh. Yeah, I did meet him one time in Texas. He's a cool guy. We have a similar background, though, like... He did um, engineering, master's degree, and then his PhD in like sustainability, um, economic sustainability, or something. And whereas I did mining, I did my electrical engineering, and then I did climate science. So I think I just have a lot in common with Safe, except for Safe's a badass, and I'm not. You ever think about writing a book? Um, I mean, I've definitely written a book. I just you know haven't tried to haven't pub- collected it, haven't published it. Yeah. What? It wouldn't be about Bitcoin. Would it be I, about I'll, I'll start my Helvetica? Helvetica? It'd mostly be about the font Helvetica. <laughs> yeah. Can you give us a two minute a two minute elevator pitch on what Yeah, what we're not gonna about? move on from I, this quick. I've already told you it's like the simple Steve. Simple Steve podcast. Okay. It's just uh just reading excerpts from there. <laughs> no, it's it's really abstract. <laughs> yeah. It's just relationship between like simplicity and accuracy when it comes to like making descriptions of anything. Like, well, but simplicity that that has a Bitcoin tie in. I yeah, mean for sure, yeah. And this somewhat seg- segues into my shitcoin um clip here. All but right. I think that simplicity at the base layer of money, that's what you want. You want something that's basically impossible to change. You don't want yeah. your money to be able to be changed at the drop of a hat because that's basically what we have here now why would you want something that's not immutable i think immutability is that kind of seventh property of money uh that the eric yates book talks about a lot that is way undersold not very well understood but that going to the future is going to be all the just absolutely important dealing with how much economic and technological change we're right on the cusp of. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're looking at seismic changes in both of those realms. Yeah. So to be able to have something that you can tether yourself to that's not prone to a bunch of change is a very, I mean, at least for me personally, it's a huge stabilizing force. Mm-hmm. You know, this world is chock full of unknowns, more so now than it has been in a while, I would say. And you still have this protocol that is what it is, does what it says it's going to do. And it's something that you can uh, you can put your value into, know exactly what it's going to do. You can put your life's energy into it, being saving the, the fruits of your labor. Like you work, you earn money for that work. Where are you going to put it to make sure it's not taken right back? Like where do you put it where it's not just getting siphoned right back into that system that acts like it's doing you a favor mm-hmm. the only answer is bitcoin right now and, right. and will be so and you better spend all your time working um and making money off that work you know don't don't spend your time playing golf you know because you know, as you're not getting the fruits of your labor with your time right there that's just that's just labor that's not bringing in any money golf is so fiat <laughs> you know how many people you could talk to about bitcoin on a golf course? <laughs> None. That Everybody. feels like the like the embodiment of the cool. Did you catch the game last night, me? No, no. People get into it. It's yeah. the cat not the dog strategy, but it's like you just mention you know, people will say, What do you do? And you just, you know, like what are you into? Whatever. And then um yeah, just about you don't say don't say anything again. Ten ten minutes later they're gonna ask you another question and just you, you just What's the it. what's the typical first follow up question when you're like, hey, I work for a Bitcoin it's, company. It's all, oh, well, I mean, then where, which, where, what is it, you know? But I guess the the, the real question is where are we going in terms yeah. – or uh, they asked me about SPF. Okay. Yeah. Both of which are not surprising, I wouldn't say. I, ha- I had success with Enormi recently by just saying I'm a long-term guy. I think it really kind of messes with them. They're like, 
oh, so is now a good time to buy Bitcoin? And I was just like, <laughs> I'm more of a long-term guy. Because it puts them in the like, oh, what do you mean? Like, I, I said, what do you think about this? Yesterday he said, where, where, what's the price going? And I, you know, I did jokingly said to the moon, but I, I did say it's like the Greg Foss thing is where it's like, it's not so much that Bitcoin's going up, more so it's dollars are going to be debased. It's like fiat's Guaranteed. going down. Like dollars are going down. So you're going to have to continually be like further and further on that risk curve mm. and speculate on assets like that are already pumped to extraordinary numbers. So the ideas of that is kind of what I, uh, I'm not like, it's that's, going to a million. I'm that's like, the red pill though. That's like uh, the red pill. What is that? Like, like, like I mean, red the, pill, like I, you know, you I, I am. So once you, once you see it, that house prices aren't going up that that's just the dollar going down once you see it, oh. it everything makes sense but like uh for somebody who's not even come close to the red pill it's i feel like it's so hard why is it called the red pill though like in the matrix when they oh, offer them the i thought red it was like a political blue. thing do i have those colors right yes yeah, so the blue pill so yeah. the red pill is you go down the rabbit hole see how deep it takes you the blue right. pill is you wake back up in your bed and you think whatever you want to believe right yeah um yeah, so that's, that's where the whole orange pill meme comes from. No, I knew that, and I got I, okay. orange. I just didn't know. Uh, Red does never, have a political it, undercurrent to it, and it is typically if you hear someone talking about pilling somebody, they're likely coming from the right. Well, I know. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I I, know, I, would, I, I took it as yeah, like you, would, you. If I was like, man, like Bitcoin's for everyone, man. Like people in El Salvador, they can get open access to. That's blue pilling. That's what I thought. I but I've never heard anyone say you blue pilled that guy. Oh, dude, I don't well, even I know what a knew. blue pill is. Well, I, thought, the, I don't know, man. Like social. I was I just going with the matrix. Like, well, and that's what it actually is. Yeah, and then there've been all these other meanings attached to it. Okay, I didn't. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and then you've got Again, black I, I and hate, white pills. I hate orange pill. That word is so. Gross. You don't like? It's, you don't I like think it's like pilling. One of the worst. Like I hate it. I hate it. Really? That feels like a swan take to me. It's not a swan take. I don't know. I mean, I, the Pete Rizzo is the one that I uh, am CCing on. Pete this. Rizzo hates yeah, that he, term. He hates it, and, and uh, me too. So, uh, but I, yeah. Why? Uh, I think it's just a gross term uh, in terms of like you've fed someone a pill, and then the <laughs> you've association someone. With, yeah, and it's just like the idea of like you force fed it to them, you gave it to them, and then the religious scoreboard. Like I talked about like a couple weeks ago, where it's like, man, I guess who I orange pilled it's okay. like you fucking nerd okay you know? yeah I, I don't like it used as a verb like that <laughs> yeah it's like yeah, i think, right, I think okay. it's more about again like first off focusing on yourself but be like our second you know it's like if you live a life that someone aspires in some form to like be like in any way of like if you're an honest person or you save money or health whatever it may be maybe they're gonna start asking you more questions but if you're just a guy that no one's asking questions to and you're just rambling off stuff, then it's like you need to do focus on educating yourself more than than others. I yeah. like your uh, comment of just saying, I think long term, yeah. because it, I don't think anybody worked. can say, oh, that's not a good thing. And Thinking long term, that is a value no matter which way you look at it. Right. But and they're normally used to the 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 flip right like they're they think crypto is like the shortest of terms in their mind and i'm just like no i'm thinking on a longer time scale than gold bro um, i'm not trying to get rich tomorrow i'm thinking about really long term and it, yeah they don't know how to respond no i wouldn't imagine so the c word doesn't make you like you don't like like if they call it crypto you do you like you know i mean i don't love it but yeah. i don't know that's not a, not a battle i choose to fight i guess I am always very specific with being like, I'm talking about Bitcoin, not anything else. Yeah. Just because it's the only one that's trying to be money. Mm -hmm. Like all these other ones, like none of the other ones can credibly claim that they're money. It's a, it's a bus ticket to use a network that does not, in my opinion, have any credible use case right now. You're using a bus ticket on Ethereum to, to do what? Like, yeah. just move shit around within that ecosystem? I mean, <laughs> the only thing that does is it breeds more shitcoins. Like, that, that, like that, that is what Ethereum is there to do. It is to create tokens that are there to be speculated on. Mm -hmm. I just, and, and that's why they pivot their own narrative like it's their job. Will there go from the world computer 
to decentralized finance, to um, to NFTs, to what I think is going to be the next one is going to be uh, soul coins, AI. Let's not talk about AI again. We're talking yeah, about we've AI already too done much. all. We've yeah. soulbound. We've done this. But. Soulbound. I mean, like I think that's like their next narrative because I think it can easily play off the whole world coin thing. Oh, interesting. I think lumping together everything into crypto for other people. A good way to respond to that is, you know, you wouldn't want the U.S. dollar lumped into with the Argentinian pesos and the Bolivar and just say that's all fiat. You'd want to say, yeah, but, you know, some government coins suck and the U.S. dollar is good. It's like, well, that spectrum is even more broad with Bitcoin compared to shit coins. Yeah, that gap is wide. That gap is wider because Bitcoin's better, way better than the dollar. And a lot of these shit coins are way worse than the worst government coin. Right. Um, and so you can't like just lump in those all together. doesn't make sense. Uh, I feel like you were uh, kind of setting up your clip and we never played it. Do you want to play it? We can play the clip. So, I mean, okay. this is June Seth on uh, what Bitcoin did with Peter McCormick. They were, they're, they're just kind of talking about um, how shitcoins have kind of delayed adoption a little bit. Let's play the clip and then I've, I've got a couple thoughts to follow up on it. All right. Kind of deal with the fact that there's just a lot of bad juju in these places. Uh, about crypto generally mm -hmm. and they will have and we'll just have to kind of like let that soften over time but mm -hmm. you know that's that's been the problem with shitcoins shitcoins have really hurt the uh the advancement of bitcoin I, i'm not really bothered by it because i i think slow growth is the best way for this to happen definitely yeah. I, I can make an argument that they've have helped in that a wider crypto industry has brought a lot more people in you can make both arguments. I mean, it could be wrong, but, but I, I don't think it's like I think every the wider crypto industry is nothing but scams. Oh, no, of course. Yeah, so I, I don't care that they're here. Like those things are negative value to us. They inure to us no value other than to keep the price down so we can buy more. <laughs> That's it. So I guess in that way it's positive. But but you know all of the value in these other chains, all of the value in these you know businesses and everything else surrounding crypto generally. It's, it's non-existent. It's going to disappear. And I guess it inures to our benefit and that all of that value eventually flows back into our project, the one mm -hmm. that we like. But it's, it just takes so long. So what he was talking about there at the beginning was how a lot of people in the third world have been burned by you know X shitcoin and how that can sometimes leave a sour taste in their mouth to where they're willing to ride off the entire space. A lot of people here, too. Definitely. And I think that's what's kind of a shame about shitcoin's existence. But I do agree with his further point that it just doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm kind of of the opinion, not kind of, at least as of right now, I'm firmly of the opinion that shitcoins are going to be around forever. I think <laughs> that Bitcoin yeah. is too valuable its narrative is too compelling for there to not always be somebody who is trying to gain some value by uh by riding bitcoin's coattails mm -hmm. and claiming affinity to bitcoin and i just i don't see that ending really ever now i mean do i think that over time all of those are going to zero by comparison to Bitcoin, yes, I do. I think that's the trend line, absolutely. But I think even a, even some of the ones that are existing today have some pretty extreme staying power just by pure vir virtue of being having a different name than the dollar and by people thinking they've missed the boat on Bitcoin. Um, one thing I want to posit to y'all is I see a lot of the crypto space as something of a smokescreen for That's what I was gonna say. Bitcoin. Um, like, I see crypto as yeah. honestly something of a sacrificial lamb that allows Bitcoin to really kind of flow under the radar. Yeah, I was surprised that, that Jun Sith didn't uh, bring up the smokescreen benefit of shitcoins. Like, I mean, I, I see Can that. Can you explain as, that? What do you, what so do you mean what, what, what I mean is, like, let's take a recent example. We had these SEC filings 
against Binance and Coinbase, where it lists Ethereum, Avalanche, Cardano, um, a bunch of other like big name um, altcoins, shitcoins, whatever you want to call them, and list them specifically as securities and specifically as what they see as being illegal. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is not mentioned in those filings anywhere. So the more that the bureaucracy is tied up bickering about whether or not these things are securities, Mm -hmm. I see that as more of a landing strip for Bitcoin to really kind of come into its own. For me, I see it as it's buying us more time. And if the SEC is trying to retain some sense of integrity, they have to go after the biggest bullshit out there. They can't, like, ignore the biggest scams and go after bitcoin because that's like i don't know they want to have their integrity of we are going after scams right it, well it's more their so, their, credibility their credibility than their integrity sure. but i mean like so that's really d- that different i i mean <laughs> integrity and credibility <laughs> i think integrity is maybe more yeah. personal more of an inner thing inner yes thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. um but i think even this most recent decision that was made that claimed that xrp the token itself Mm -hmm. is not a security and it had bitcoin twitter it had their their panties in a major jumble and all i'm thinking about is that gives that that means that there are significant resources at the sec Mm -hmm. that are going to go into appealing that yeah that's that's time that they're going to have to spend that is manpower that they're going to have to spend in appealing that decision that those resources in the government are not going to be able to be spent towards going after Bitcoin. Like, I see that as, even though I disagree with the decision that came down, I see that decision as, in in a crucial note, as a good (laughs) thing for Bitcoin because it allows developers of Bitcoin that are continuing to grow use cases, grow scalability, grow all these things that are going to make it the world reserve currency more runway to fly under the radar unperturbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I also come from an old world where not to, you know, try to be the OG in the room, but, uh, you are the OG for, in the room. You can act like <laughs> it for the first five years of Bitcoin chick altcoins. <laughs> as they were called then, uh, were great. And they were seen as a great testing bed to try out um, new technologies, new ways to, you know, back then the idea of CTV going on to Bitcoin before trying it on a brand new coin would have just been like, what are you talking about? We have a whole space to try out new technologies. It's called altcoins. So it's not like that anymore, but... I mean, there's still a little hint of it, like Monero, maybe. Um, you know, it's still there's still a sense in which Monero still might be showing a better way to do Bitcoin confidential transactions and stuff like that. But it's really tiny. Well, it's now. just it, it it's a proving ground. If if there is something <laughs> of value that's being built on shitcoins, yeah. then eventually it's going to move over to the king asset. Right. Which is how it should be, which is why, I I don't know, I mean, it's weird. It is weird. I mean, like, it's it's tough. And, I mean, I mentioned this earlier. It's not like I think that there's anything of of value necessarily being done over Mm -hmm. there because I don't think they're trying to be money. But I do believe to some, like, I, I do to some degree believe that it's a way to test things out to where Bitcoin can go through the storm un, unscathed. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned testing things on other chains. Mm-hmm. Segwit was first demoed on Litecoin. Yeah. Um, I, guess, I guess that's what changed, that it became clear to us that um, not only is Bitcoin this cool new technology that can be competing as money it became clear to most everybody that no wait money coalesces to one and there will only be one money for the entire planet most likely and it's probably going to be bitcoin so then it was then it was like 
Well, while before it was just like, oh, these are just multiple technologies to try to implement cryptocurrency in a decentralized way. It was now it was more like, are you competing with Bitcoin to be the king? Um, well, in terms of price, are they objectively or not? Yeah. And I mean, in I the think, beginning, it wasn't like that. Though. It wasn't always like you were. Well, so one thing yeah. that like I can't I think it was uh, Turdemister on uh, Blue Collar Bitcoin was talking about how one of the things that added a layer of nervousness to the hard fork was the fact that Ethereum was there and gaining traction. But another point that he made that I agreed with and found very interesting was that... Well, he might mean John Seth? Uh, no, he mean Tour oh, on, okay, on sorry. this other podcast that yeah. I don't have a clip from. I wish I had clipped this because it would have gone along perfectly with this point I'm trying to make that if not for the DAO hack, then the block size word might have gone on for a lot longer than it had. Very interesting. And in, in that interesting. I sold all my th- most of my Ethereum after the DAO hack. It was it was a cautionary yeah. tale. Yeah, it was it was a black and white. This is why this path will probably not work because here we have an example of why it doesn't. So the the lessons learned from the DAO hack and from the subsequent abandonment of the original Ethereum chain, the rebranding of that original chain to Ethereum Classic, and the 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 brand name ETH moving to another new chain that had been manipulated by the founders to unwind this massive mistake was a, a a feather in the small blockers hats of being like, this is why we don't want to go down this path because here's an example of what could happen if things become more centralized. Like I think the block size war book does a very good job of kind of positioning the Dow hack as something of a turning point in the block size war as a cautionary tale of what we do not want to happen on Bitcoin. And if that had not happened, then that animosity that was built up during that time period could have continued for longer than it did. I just had a flashback to um, being in my tiny little apartment in, uh, outside of London, and I was trying to sell my Ethereum after the Dow hack. And in order to do it, I had to... Uh, you know, spin up my Ethereum node. And I fully synced an Ethereum node on a MacBook Air. (laughs) And whenever that was, 2015 or or something like that, that is so crazy to think that you could sync an Ethereum node on a laptop. Now you can't sync an Ethereum node unless you have like a warehouse full of servers. It costs, I think, 32 ETH to be a validator. Yeah, but... That's just to and be a validator. Of but that. No, I'm talking about like holding the Ethereum blockchain on your computer, which is like 12 terabytes. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah. I didn't know there was a difference yeah. between a validator and a node. Oh, valid. You know, I mean, so the node holds all the the transaction right. history of of Ethereum. The validator. Um, it's more like a miner. Yeah. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Right, but it's a yeah, validator doesn't require any storage or energy. I don't think it just requires no, staked, staked. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that's the hurdle that you have to clear is that you have to have those 32 ETH staked and Vitalik himself doesn't even do it. Yeah. I had a, uh, uh, did you listen to that whole podcast with June Sith or Junk Sith on, uh, what Bitcoin did? I did. I, so I've always liked him. Um, I, I like how real he is. He understands some aspects of Bitcoin really well, and I like his sense of humor too. But I don't think he really understands the difference between a protocol and a, uh, a program because on that podcast, a number of times he was just like, hey, man, we're always going to be, you know, changing the code, fixing the code. You know, like you can't say it's ossified. And it's like, I don't think you understand that a protocol can be ossified while you're fixing bugs in the code. Like there's a difference between the code and the protocol. And I was just surprised that him being around for so long, like 
Did, did you know the part I'm talking about? I do. Okay. Um, and I actually had the same thought. I should have clipped it just to trigger you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Particularly on the heels of... That's what you guys think about. Like, how are we going to trigger Steve today? I, I mean, well, it's so look, easy. No, it's, it's, it's not so how to trigger easy. Steve. It's how do we get Steve talking um, <laughs> so that I don't have to say as much. Like, that. that that's more what it's about. Um, but no, I, I definitely noticed that because they were talking about... But even then they got into, you know, like there was that very early inflation bug that was able to be fixed without a fork. Or, or was that the one that did require kind of like a uh, under the radar for, I, I don't remember, but uh, I agree there, with what you're so saying. So there were two inflation bugs in Bitcoin. The one really early on was it had to be fixed with a hard fork. Uh, the one later on um, was fixed with a soft fork. But uh, but yeah, there were some versions of, of Bitcoin there that were success- susceptible to an inflation bug. I think as late as like 2019 that nobody realized. Um, but yeah, feels like a case for ossification to me. If you, yeah, if you want to get me talking, just ask me about the 2106 bug. I don't feel like we covered that in as much detail as we could have <laughs> I, last I week. I definitely thought we did. Oh, you did? Okay. I yeah. thought, no, I, I just thought it was, uh, I mean, we're happy to go down the rabbit hole again. I didn't mean it like I need to do a whole episode on it. I need to do a whole episode on it. But it, it requires people kind of um, not thinking so black and white about hard and soft work, which is, which is hard. Uh, because so the example that I'm thinking about starting off with is that what if someone today, let's say someone today has a, um, a node running fine. All right. And then they get out another computer and they search the, uh, the internet archive for the first version of Bitcoin that came out that it doesn't sync anymore because we had those early hard forks. Now, what if that person starts that code anyway? knowing that it's not going to sink. Is it is that failure to sink a hard fork? Did a hard fork just occur? Mm, no. Right. So this is the situation that I think we're going to be in in 2106, where it's like, in order for someone to actually have the 2106 bug affect their computer they're gonna have to be running code from 50 years ago and their computer isn't gonna be 50 years old so they're gonna have to have searched (laughs) the web to find some ancient version of bitcoin and run it and notice that it didn't sync like it's very easy to patch the 2106 bug in a way that doesn't cause a hard fork when you patch it I could patch it right now and my code would work fine, perfectly in sync with the network. It's only that if somebody kept their current version of Bitcoin running right now, unpatched for 50 years, then it would hard fork. But no one's going to keep their version of Bitcoin they're running right now for 50 years. They're going, if there's a simple patch and it's very simple to patch, as long as that simple patch is done in the next 30 years, then someone is going to have to be run, doing that as, as that situation that I talked about, where they're just pulling up an old version of Bitcoin just to prove a point. At scale, yeah. Right. No, so it's not. And the reason I think this is important is not because we have to do it now. It's because a lot of people like Jameson and like NVK and like some others, you hear this all the time. Well, we have to hard fork eventually. So you might as well pack a lot of stuff into the hard fork. So they've decided that they've decided that a hard fork is inevitable. And so they're saying, what other changes do we need to make? And if they didn't think it was inevitable, I don't think they'd be thinking about these other changes. I definitely agree with that. So I think it's important to get it out there that like, no, you don't need to think that a hard fork is inevitable because it's not really going to be a hard fork. As long as we just patch the bug and people start running the patched version. So that's what I'm saying. But it's kind of... They, uh, they always are acting under the assumption that a hard fork is inevitable. Right. And therefore, what do we want? I mean, exactly like you said, what do we need to add as part of that package as, as if that's something that needs to be right. fixed now or within the next decade? Well, let me just take two seconds and just talk about the technical thing that needs to be added in case there is someone out there listening. 
when um, when it overflows in 2106 and the not the bits it's a 32 bit number that contains the amount of seconds and computer stored dates is the number of seconds that have elapsed since January 1st 1970 that's a big number it's getting bigger <clears throat> when 2106 comes around it's not going to fit in a 32 bit number anymore but when it, when um, when things don't fit anymore it's not chaos it's not like oh as soon as it's too big uh the bits turn in the catch on fire. <laughs> you know, it's like the bits. What do you think they do? <clears throat> they don't go into the information. They right. just get left out. Or do they start from the they top just start, again? They're from the top again. Mm-hmm. They just start from one. So like we have this enormous number, right? That's the number of seconds from 1970. If that, if instead of that number, that number reads one, guess what that means? It's 2106 plus one second. So you can just have a 64-bit number right underneath it and say, like, if this number is really small, and by really small, you can just say less than the beginning of Bitcoin, right? then just take a 64-bit number and add that number to the maximum number that fit in the 32-bit, and it's fixed. It's done. It's that fucking simple. And everyone's fucking freaking out about this. <laughs> like, they're acting like this is... A reason to totally change Bitcoin. Stop. What do, what do they see? I mean, because that that explanation makes a lot of sense to me. What would their counterpoints to that be? I mean, because there's no I, way Lot so, hasn't thought that, or that hasn't been presented that's, to him. So that's exactly where I am. There's this one other guy that uh, agrees with me on Bitcoin Stack Exchange. Like, go on Bitcoin Stack Exchange and look for all of the people that have piped in on this. And me and this other guy are the only people saying. Has anyone looked at the fact that the only the only time Bitcoin even uses the timestamp is to like look for the difference between blocks and to look for the amount of blocks that have happened in the past two weeks? And in both of these two places in the code, all you have to do is put an if statement that says, look to see if the thing has freaking overflowed. And if it has, then switch to a 64-bit number. I mean, I... Yeah, so I guess I'll just say I've done probably like a hundred hours of research on this, and I haven't found anybody to disagree with what I'm saying right there. Hmm. So, but I mean, maybe there is something out there. So let me know. You might listen to this. I ain't gonna be the guy to find it. So bring it up on Spaces. Thanks. Thanks for letting me talk that out. Right. Yeah. Welcome to the Appreciate stage, it. Steve. <laughs> Thanks for having me on stage. Feels like an honor to be on stage. <laughs> Jacob, we're really thrilled to be on stage here today. Anytime, man. Anytime. Are you supposed to tell a joke right when you get on stage? Is that the proper thing to do? Usually we start with your Bitcoin story. And then your property (laughs) value. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's a real honor to be on stage. I got a bad knee, but I walked up here just fine because I was so excited. Not, not, Not the third stage, the main stage. Um, Talking about ossification, uh, I do have one more clip. And can, can we play it? Yeah. It's so cool. And it's also from Preston Pish. We study Bitcoin um, on the Billionaires podcast. We study billionaires. Sorry, we study billionaires. It's, it's the Bitcoin <laughs> fundamentals episodes of the We Study Billionaires episodes. <clears throat> All right. The We Billionaires study podcast. We Billionaires study billionaire <laughs> fundamentals. And this guy, okay, I don't love him. Um, I, I really don't like people right. tell us how you really feel <laughs> i really right. don't like people writing books called game theory and um what's the other one chaos theory or something like that and then they just write about this tiny little thing they're not like experts in game theory itself they just kind of have something cool and then they just call it game theory so i feel like he does a little bit about of that but w- one of the cool things he does is he says uh he talks about the game theory of uh, open source communities versus closed source communi- communities, and I think this is spot on. Uh, this is uh, Scott Lindbergh, by the way. No, I think you nailed it. I think the you just there's no way of competing with more minds working on something. The more people who who are working on this, the better. And when you're in a closed environment, like you work at Microsoft or whatever, and you're in a little thing, and you're going to develop whatever this program is that that I'm told by like developers, like they really hate it, right? It's cumbersome and can't do whatever. 
And yet, in you know, you take Nostra, for example, in six months or less than a year or whatever, like all these people coming in. Yeah, I think this is an underestimated thing about Bitcoin because it's not obvious. You know, if you were to ask the average person on the street, you know, are more computer scientists working on Microsoft or working on Bitcoin? The average person would think that it's Microsoft. You know, they have no idea that Microsoft could never hire as many um, people that are just naturally thinking about and writing up code for Bitcoin projects in their spare time because it's, um, you know, people that work for Microsoft, you know, they hate their job and, you know, they do whatever the fuck they have to do with Microsoft PowerPoint and then they go home and then they work on the project they really like. Right. Cause all of that's gate kept. Um, yeah. Because it's like IP, it's corporate right. secrets. Yeah. I mean, they've got like maybe a couple dozen devs or something like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure Twitter is now functioning with sub. 12 developers now mm-hmm. um no i mean but i totally agree people would think oh that's a company that has a mega market cap it's gotta have just like hundreds of people working on it and it's just not the case but hundreds isn't anywhere close to the amount of how people many people working are working on, on, bitcoin, on bitcoin yeah it's just that we don't have any way to measure it thankfully but if yeah. you're in this industry you can just feel it like there's just thousands of people well, you don't need on, permission. I mean, that's the difference between a permission exactly. space versus a non-permission yes, space. I think that's the, the game theory of it. It's, if it's non-permissioned and it's super attractive to the smartest people in the world, there's no way you can compete with that. Because so. there's nothing keeping them from looking at it being like, oh, okay, I can add this value here. You mm-hmm. don't have to spiff up your resume, submit it to some moron in HR and hope you pass their screener and then get hired, negotiate all that stuff, get onboarded, and then actually start working, you can just go home, log in, start Mm -hmm. building right there on the spot. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if I'd recommend that podcast, but there were certain parts of it that I liked. That was Scott Lindeberg with Preston Fish. I like Preston Fish a lot. Fish, Fish, how do you say that? Fish. Fish. Preston's my boy. I love that guy. Um, Yeah, he's really cool. Love that podcast. Love all of the podcasts and the Investors Podcast Network. The funny thing is... Are like, you listening to all of them? I listen to all of them. Wow. Like you, uh, What's the next best one? The next best one is uh, Millennial Investing. Clay I Fink. Think. Clay Fink. Let's so go Clay. Clay, What's Clay that Fink about? is... It's, it, it's basically just how to invest as a millennial. Because hmm. like the boomers are just like, pay your mortgage, contribute to your 401k. This has a lot more creative type stuff, but you don't have to listen very much to realize that these are Bitcoiners running that that podcast. Um, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. No. So I spoke to a lot of those guys down in Miami, and he's like, oh, dude, we're all Bitcoiners. Mm-hmm. It's just Preston wants all Bitcoin content to flow through the Bitcoin fundamentals branch of that podcast network. Mm-hmm. But like millennial investing they'll have lynn alden on there they've had jeff booth there was an episode a couple weeks ago about a guy who is um who is running his business on a bitcoin standard so and you hear them talk about it and you can tell the way that they talk about it is is separate and distinct from they, they get it separate and distinct from crypto they understand that it's hard money they understand the the the, the value that it brings oh good um, Maybe I'll check that out. It's it's Some pretty good. Um, Richer, wiser, happier is really good too. Uh, that guy's probably the least Bitcoiner guy on there, but he's talking about a lot of kind of broader subjects than just investing, like mm. you know how to gain wisdom and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, yeah, I, I love it. That's one that I catch every single week. Interesting. Maybe I'll listen to that. Somebody along these uh, lines, um, somebody in our chat said something a couple weeks ago that stuck with me, and I'm wondering what you think about it, Bo, and maybe you too, but he said, in an inflationary environment, debt outcompetes saving. Uh, Could not agree more, because the incentive of what the fiat monetary 
unit creates is mm-hmm. that you're better off uh, going into a bunch of debt and just hoping that the check never comes due. Mm-hmm. Your or when net- it comes due, it'll be worth a lot less in real terms. Right. Um, well, I mean, and that's the entire incentive of a 20-year fixed mortgage mm-hmm. is that over time, that dollar amount that your mortgage is fixed at mm-hmm. is going to spend a lot less. Yeah. It would be like somebody coming to you back in the day and being like, hey, a Coke is worth five cents now. Mm-hmm. Would you want to lock in that price for 20 years? Right. Or would you rather have it be variable to whatever the market determines it mm-hmm. is? The price of that Coke is based on the, the inflation of the currency. This is something that is just so under uh, reported in any kind of not just boomer finance, but also just regular personal finance. Like they always speak as if they don't have to factor in the fact that we're in a crazy inflationary environment. Well, it's just it's accepted as a matter of fact. And I mean, I wonder but I mean, the matter of fact is like 2% a year. It's not like the matter of like real inflation. Well, it's just matter of fact that things are going to go up in value. I mean, the, the, the down payment I put down on my house, like just the down payment, was more than the actual price of like the face price, like the value of the home of every house my grandfather bought. Mm-hmm. Like he bought a house for 5000 bucks. So, I mean, like... Mm-hmm. My house was, I mean, I don't want to get into actual price, but by the time I am a grandfather, mm-hmm. is that house going to be worth tens of millions of dollars? Yeah. I mean, and, and, but I mean, think, dollar's how, die. think of how stupid that is. Yeah. Of, of that, you're telling me that my small house mm-hmm. is worth tens of millions of dollars? So an interesting, uh, but every house in Venezuela is worth tens of millions of pesos. Ugh. This is gross, man. I mean, like I just don't understand how face at face value people are not turned off by that. I saw something the other day. I don't remember if it was Twitter or if I heard it in a podcast, mm-hmm. but that when the term millionaire mm-hmm. is kind of coined, mm-hmm. where like you know you have made it to the to the right. realm. Of the ultra rich, if you're a millionaire, yeah. that million dollars that it would have taken back then uh-huh. to be considered ultra wealthy yeah. now translates into a hundred million dollars. Yeah. So we have gone a hundred X in order to reach that same amount of wealth that just would have need you would have needed to uh, in order to be called a millionaire back when that phrase was coined. Bonkers. I had a friend that used to wear a shirt to a bar that said, who wants to marry a hundred air? Oh, that was great. Yeah. Is he talking about a hundred Bitcoin? <laughs> hundred Bitcoin. Yeah. That's a hundred Bitcoin. will take you places. I think honey. that'll do it. Yeah. I think hundred <laughs> Bitcoin. Probably yeah. I think that, I think that it. might take you to the Holy land. I think. Yeah. Um, all right. We're hitting an hour here. Y'all uh, got any other topics you want to, I don't have any closing thoughts. Talk um, about. Just come check us out on Tuesday. Like I said, you don't need to know anything. Um, you can feel free to come with questions. Like people are eager to talk about Bitcoin. That's why we're there. If you come with an open mind and genuine questions, I don't think anybody's going to give you a hard time for what you do and do not know. We have all been there. Um, we all know how hard it can be to find resources we all know how hard it is to wrap your head around some of these more complex subjects so just if you're in the raleigh area and you're interested in any of this stuff that we're discussing come talk about it i want to reach out more to the secret uh, bitcoin experts and maxis living in raleigh that have just been hiding because we had one of those guys come to the meetup um first time and he was like yeah I get it, hundred percent. I understand everything. Inflation, Jeff Booth, sound money. I run a node. I got I got hardware wallets. Like I just didn't really know if I wanted to like meet people in public about this. So for those guys, like stop being weird. Stop acting like you don't need to have friends to talk about the stuff with. Like you need friends, man. You need to go drink with a group of guys. Just hash the shit out. It's freaking psychologically healthy. 
Well, and this isn't like a Dungeons and Dragons club. Exactly. Like these aren't just a bunch of like computer nerds. Like I'm I don't, telling you, so many times on Twitter, there's Bitcoin meetups that are posted, and I'm like, fucking thank God that's not ours. <laughs> I for I would be so out of there so fast. Seriously. Yeah. Ours is good. All right, guys. We got a good one. It's a social club. Yeah, it's nice. It's a social club. Well, uh, you run a you run a good shop there, Steve. Uh, it's really hard to run. <laughs> yeah. I put so much work into leadership. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Check y'all next week. See you later.